0: Oh hello!
1: Hello! 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 It's another true neutral bonus episode. Indeed, it is, and do we have an episode in store for you? Fucking strap in, Uh everybody! It's gonna be a long ride today. Yeah. We're not sure how long it's gonna be exactly. Um, if it gets, it's all coming out as one. We're not two parting this. No. Are we? No. So this might well be the longest episode.
0: Oh, it's yeah. definitely going to be the longest, but for the foreseeable future, even. Yeah, yeah, there's a good chance of that. So, uh, I have done a lot of research, and, uh... He's, he's outdone himself. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he's done. And I'm going to talk about the life and eventual death of Walt Disney. And po- potential rebirth. Oh no, no. no. <laughs> that was that was the plan, I'm sure. So, uh no. Uh all right. So, <laughs> Walter Elias Disney was born on December 5th in 1901. Wow. Yeah. Uh he was the fourth of five children. Uh, he was born to Elias and Flora Disney. All right. Let's see where Flora. I got Flora. Yeah. That is not a name you hear very much. No. No, there's... Interesting. There's a couple of fun names in this one. He um, had three older brothers, uh, Herbert, Raymond, and Roy. Roy will come up a lot. Roy was very in with the business.
1: All right. And, in the business.
0: Yeah, and one younger sister, Ruth, who was never mentioned again. Oh, dang. Don't know what happened to Ruth. She I, I probably could have looked her up, but, like... She was like, one
1: of those uh, locked-in-the-attic kids, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't know. She just never, uh... Never was mentioned as part of his life in any of the stuff I read or listened to. Kind
1: of like the red-headed stepchild of the family, as uh, the saying goes.
0: She could have been very successful. She was just a woman in the early 1900s.
1: I mean, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm.
0: But never heard, like,
1: not not any part of this ever again. That kind of...
0: <laughs> not good implications there. No. Uh, they, the family moved to Marceline, Missouri in 1906, where he developed an interesting drawing. And, uh, in 1911, they moved to Kansas City, Missouri, and he discovered Vaudeville Motion Pictures through a uh, friend, Walter Pfeiffer. All right. Walter Pfeiffer. Uh, <laughs> uh, he began a paper route with his brother, Roy, that he maintained for six years. So, like... At the in, age of ten? Uh, I mean, yeah, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. Yeah. Um... Elias, his dad, bought Disney, uh, bought Disney stock, no. He bought, <laughs> he bought stock in the Zello Jello Company. Zello Jelly? Zello Jelly. Yeah. Uh, company. And the, had the family move back to Chicago. Uh, while in Chicago, Walt became the cartoonist of McKinley High School. So he was already cartooning All right. pretty yeah. quick. Um. He, in 1918, he forged his date of birth to help the war effort, becoming an ambulance driver for the Red Cross, so, uh, I think he would have been 16, or 1918, 17.
1: 1918, he would have been seven, either 16, about to turn 17, or he had just turned 17. Yeah,
0: so he would have just, like, just been under, so it probably wouldn't have been too hard to fake it, but yeah, yeah he faked yeah. it to help out, which is pretty cool. Shows some drive and determination for a high school kid. Um... Back in October of 1919 He's in Kansas City again And uh, he's illustrating for advertising Where he met a fellow artist named Ub Iwerks That's a very interesting name Now it could be Iwerks It's Ub, Uh, U-B And then I-W-E-R-K-S
1: it, I have no idea. It's German, I'm pretty sure. So it's probably iWorks, but Iworks sounds fine. Um, but that that's a hell of a name. Also, illustrating for a company, like, 18, or 1918, is that what you said, 1919? 1919, yeah. So yeah, he's only 18 years old.
0: Yeah. Like. He's illustrating for advertising. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I met another artist, and then, uh. He ended up getting laid off and uh, getting a job at Kansas City Film Ad Company, which used cut-out animation. So he was doing some animation work with them. All right. And uh, he borrowed some supplies, then he learned some animation at home. Borrowed seemed really brushed over. I think he stole stuff from the office to do stuff at home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely
1: stole stuff from the office to do stuff at home. Uh, but it's okay, like, hey, this is over 100 years ago, and he's dead now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we can but, talk about it. He realized cell animation would be a lot better than the cutout style they were using. Yeah. Um, But he couldn't convince his boss, so he started a new company with a a co-worker of his named Fred Harman. Fred Harman. (laughs) I said Harman because it's two A's. Harman. Harman. (laughs) Uh, It's a more fun way to say it anyways. Yeah, and they started producing cartoons for a local theater, uh, and this led to laugh gram Studios... Where he hired his old friend Iwerks, Iwerks, as well as uh, Harman's brother Hugh and Rolf Ising. Uh, oh, sorry. His brother Hugh Harman <laughs> and uh, Rudolf Isling. Okay. Uh, among others. Big burp. Nice. <laughs> Lafargem produced a uh, twelve-minute live-action uh, animation combination film, but went into bankruptcy in 1923. twenty. Live-action animation. What was the, the... <laughs> live-action animation combination
1: film? Uh, live-action animation combination. I love that's so much fun to say. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: that pretty much drove them into bankruptcy in nineteen
1: twenty-three. <laughs>
0: Woo. <laughs> That's go, you know, you do something, you give it a hundred fucking percent. You give everything you got, and you hope it works. Uh, uh, That short film was the Alice in Wonderland original idea that Walt produced. It was the first thing he really, like, put his heart and soul into. Like, this was what he was gonna sell. And uh, at 21. Uh, he joined his brother Roy, who was in Los Angeles, and he tried to sell that Alice short film. Alright. Um, Margaret J. Winkler... Winkler. Winkler. Uh, would be the person to buy it. Losing out.
1: sorry, Henry! (laughs)
0: Losing the rights to Out of the Inkwell and Felix the Cat, she needed a new series. She saw the, uh, series in Disney and Alice. Okay. Uh... In October, Winkler and Disney signed for a contract for six Alice comedies and an option for two further series of six episodes each. Hmm. So, uh, big deal right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Walt and Roy opened Disney Brothers Studio, which later became the Walt Disney Company, to produce shorts. Okay. I don't know. uh, There's never actually any clarification. Maybe if I had gone to Roy's, but uh, there's never actually any clarification of... Why I went from Disney Brothers to Walt Disney Studios.
1: I mean, he just got out at some certain point. Maybe Walt bought him out when he decided he was going to go, so he just took over full control. Oh, yeah.
0: Roy was, seemed to be involved until he retired. It's like, he's still at the company.
1: I don't know. Maybe he was just a better behind-the-scenes numbers guy and Walt was a better face.
0: Oh, he's definitely a really good face, and he proves it.
1: Like, so maybe that's just what they did, and maybe they were like, it'll be better for business if it's you doing it, and I'll still be here just in the background taking care of the rest of the stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, valid. Um, But, yeah, after they got the short sold, they convinced both Virginia Davis, who was the live-action actress for Alice, her family, and uh, of Iworks to move from Kansas City to L.A. for the project. Damn right. When you get something big, you bring your people with you. Yeah, so uh, all of them moved from Kansas City, Missouri, to Los Angeles. Like Hell yeah. Most of the way across the country for this Alice in Wonderland deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, in 1925, Disney hired an ink artist, or secretary, according to Lillian Page, Lillian Bounds... And uh in July of that year they married near Lillian's hometown in Lewiston, Idaho, at her brother's house. Yeah. yeah. Right in our backyard. Yep, that's right. Right around where we live. And uh she was originally born in Spalding and grew up in Lapway before moving to Lewiston for college.
1: I know all of these places. Yeah. So- <laughs>
0: Well, that's fun. That's yeah. that's all local for us. Yeah,
1: I I did so about some of that. He had a house built over in Lewiston for her and things like that. And yeah, like, it's a really nice place too. Like, re- I got to uh, deliver some furniture there when I was doing that when I was younger. Nice. And uh, we brought it in the house and they gave us a, like a little mini tour of the house and we were like, wow, that's cool. That whole under part of the hill that's all cement, yeah. it's all underground parking.
0: <sighs> right. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, they had two daughters, Diane and Sharon, and Sharon was adopted. Mm-hmm. They never denied her being adopted, but they grew annoyed if anyone brought it up. And I thought that was super understandable.
1: Yeah, yeah I, no, that I, makes sense. They're like, I, shut the fuck up, she's my kid. Yeah, it was really
0: weird. This, this, Pretty much everything I read was like, yeah, they were really irritated when people brought up their daughter was adopted. Like, yeah, you would be. Yeah. That's an. That's a thing to be irritated about. That's your I, daughter. I, Leave I quit, it alone. Quit bringing it up. Yeah,
1: we all know. Thank yes. you. Yes, it's we, not weird. No, we love her. She's our daughter.
0: Yeah, back off. Right? It's we. It's it's just a weird thing that, like My son is my stepson.
1: Zone. Do I love him less? Fuck
0: no. Mm-mm. He's my son. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's weird. Um. But Disney took efforts to keep his daughters out of the spotlight. And uh, in 1926, the first official Walt Disney Studio was established at 2725 Hyperion Avenue. Oh, such a good name. Yeah.
1: Hyperion Avenue. Yeah,
0: it's so good. I uh, am such a sucker
1: for a good name, you guys. Mm. I never realized that till I started this podcast. And then every good name that comes at me, I'm just like, oh, fuck yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> well let's see how you like this one. Winkler handed the Alice series to Charles Mintz. Charles Mintz. Uh, with whom Walt had a tenuous, somewhat strained relationship. That's a quote. Oh, well, well that sounds bad from the start. Yeah. <laughs> sounds not promising. Yeah, as the Alice series petered out, Walt and Iwerks created and developed Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And while it was successful, disagreements between Disney and Mintz, not to mention the realization that, the Universal, uh, that Universal owned the IP for Oswald, Disney was to give it an ultimatum. Take a severe pay cut, or Mintz would make his own studio. Mintz made his own studio.
1: Oh. Of course he did.
0: Yeah. Uh, to fill the Oswald-shaped void, Disney and Iwerks developed Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Originally called Mortimer by Walt, yep. his wife, Lillian, suggested Mickey as she thought Mortimer too pompous. It's it, It's weird, because back then it probably
1: was a very pompous, like upper class like hmm I'm Mortimer but nowadays I hear the name Mortimer and I think of some weird greasy guy trying to sell me
0: drugs in an alleyway I I just instantly think Rick and Morty yeah 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 yeah
1: So I think of some weird greasy guy trying to sell me drugs in a dirty alleyway
0: (laughs) (laughs) well sorry Mortimers what? yeah yeah I mean,
1: I'm sorry that that's just what my brain shows me when I hear the name Mortimer
0: yeah. um Walt would voice the mouse now synonymous with his name until nineteen forty seven starting with the first post produced sound cardoon, cartoon 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 uh steamboat willie yeah that's such a classic yeah though Mickey had appeared in two shorts before that playing crazy and the gallopin gaucho mm-hmm um Playing crazy is the only thing I found that Lillian Bounds actually got, uh, ink credit on.
1: Oh, okay. So that's fun. Yeah, interesting. That's cool.
0: Yeah, uh, everywhere else she's pretty much listed as a secretary. Okay. No. Yeah. Well, still listed, at least. Well, yeah, she's listed but... everywhere. She's Disney's wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but still. Yeah. Uh, getting distribution through Cinephone, the animations gained popularity. Um uh, And Disney Horror. There's no horror. Disney Disney hired Carl Stalling to improve the musical quality and, after his suggestion, developed the Silly Symphony series, which would tell stories through music. Ah, music. Yeah, 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 something we know. Um, Ub Iberks would draw and animate the first series, uh, the first in the series, The Skeleton Dance, entirely on his own. Wow. Yeah wasn't the only time he did that, either. Was, that's a lot of work. He's a really dedicated animator. That's like those people that sit in their
1: rooms and do, like, one five-minute claymation scene on their own over the course of, like, three weeks or whatever. I'm yeah. Like, that's such dedication. Yeah. Claymation, I had to do a 30-second claymation scene for a class
0: in high school once, and it's such a giant pain in the ass. I'm sure we'll talk about that more when we do the Tim Burton episode. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure we will. (laughs) But I have experience in that, and it
1: blows.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he he showed his tenacity through that example. Mm -hmm. And the skeleton dance is actually something you've probably seen. It's just black and white skeletons dancing to a thing while music's Mm -hmm. playing and other skeletons are doing it. Like, Isn't something? that
1: where the classic skeleton xylophone thing started?
0: I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. At least in animation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I've seen that. Like, yeah. it sounds extremely familiar
0: to me, so. Yeah. Um, A core group of animators, later known as the Nine Old Men, were hired around this time as well. So they were initially hired around this time, and they later have a title as the Nine Old Men, so. I've hired a wizard's council. <laughs> <laughs> They haven't made movies like that
1: yet. <laughs> uh, he was making it in real life. He didn't need to make a movie about it. <laughs> uh, when you hire a wizards council, you don't make a movie about hiring a wizards council. Okay.
0: I don't know. Uh, we're actually getting through this at a decent speed. Oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah. Maybe it won't be a record-breaking episode. That'll be fun though.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you say so. Disney asked uh, Powers, who was heading his distribution, for greater pay. Uh, Powers refused and convinced Iwerks to to work directly for him. Yeah, that was kind of a slap in the face. Oh, best counterplay ever. (laughs) Oh, you want more pay? I took your best animator later. (laughs) Um, Stalling, the music guy that he hired, uh, left Disney Studio shortly after believing it would go under without up. Wow Yeah Um, This all led to Walt having a nervous breakdown In October of 1931 Yeah, yeah, that seems legit Afterward taking an extended vacation To Cuba with Lillian to recover He had Created
1: and bankrupted His business twice By the time he was 30, by the time, he's still younger than me Had created and bankrupted His business twice Yeah
0: that is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, after this, Disney signed a deal with Columbia Pictures to distribute his Mickey Mouse cartoons. Okay. Which only increased in popularity with time. Yeah. Even, even gaining international traction. Of course. In, in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Flowers and Trees in 1932 was the first Disney production in color. Using the three strip Technicolor process, which Disney was able to negotiate the rights for sole use of the technique until August 31st, 1935. Wow. So, that's a
1: power play right yeah. there. Yeah. So
0: not only do you develop a color technology for animation, but you negotiate, so you are the only person that can use that for the first three years of its existence. Yeah.
1: That's, that's such a power play. That yeah. gives you such a strong hold on the market by the time everyone else is able to start using it. like
0: yeah, it's That's big. probably
1: not legal today.
0: No, it would probably be shot down by most people today, but, like, yeah, they... That's crazy. Unless the, the company themselves developed the technology, mm-hmm. then they could probably... But it,
1: it's smart business decisions like that that helped him, like, stay at the top for so long. Yeah. To this day, Disney is, like... The mouse is, like, the biggest company in the world. I think, well, they're up there. They're not. Amazon, technically, has the most money. Yeah. Uh, a couple other people have, like, products or movies sold or, like, whatever. But, they mm. yeah. But Disney, Disney's worth a fucking lot. It's way up there. Yeah.
0: Um, Flowers and Trees also won the inaugural uh, Academy for... The inaugural Academy Award for short subject, parentheses, cartoon. Okay.
1: Okay. I imagine there weren't many other pictures in that. No. In in thirty two. Thirty
0: two.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I assume there weren't many other films for them to be competing against, but good for them for winning.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, three Little Pigs, as produced by Disney in nineteen thirty three, was oh, wildly successful. I was hoping you were going to say by Green Jelly. No, not <laughs> this time. <laughs> <laughs> little pig, little pig, let me in. Uh classic. Uh, Not by the chinny-chin-chin! Chin. <laughs> but the... <laughs> as produced by Disney in 1933, was wildly successful, allowing him to expand his studio staff as well as win him another Academy Award. It was described by Adrian Danks as the most successful... <laughs> Sorry, hang on. Were you just going to try to skip over that on me? Adrian Danks? Yeah.
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it was described by Adrian Danks as the most successful short animation of all time.
1: Uh, yeah. Most successful short animation of all time
0: so far. So far, yeah. Um, something in this showed, Walt, the importance of storytelling. Leading him, be- I wonder what that could have been. It was the prophet yeah. leading to him creating a story department, who would storyboard the Disney films. So this is the first storyboard department. Oh, good, 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 good. The first entirely so animated. <laughs> it's fucking good. The first entirely animated full length film from walt disney studios would be a four-year venture and it would be called snow white and the seven dwarves mm-hmm. based on the fairy tale which
1: <laughs> no <laughs> which i did know that that was the very first full-length film that had come out
0: yeah um so this is it costed 1.5 million dollars to produce and at it the time out in, what 38 I think you just said it. I much. I probably did. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, it Yeah. It was a four-year adventure. I think it comes out in 37 or 38. 37 or 38? Yeah, in 38, it's 38. released.
1: Woo! I pulled that out of some weird recesses of my brain. <laughs> Hell
0: yeah! <laughs> but uh, costing $1.5 million to produce, three times its budget, it was the first animated feature to feature full color and sound. Uh, industry insiders called the venture disney's folly believing it would never be successful as well as sending his animators to an art school he also brought actors and animals into the studio so the animation could be as realistic as possible and honestly the the
1: animation and the the songs and all of that movie still holds up to this day oh it's It's still very good yeah. Obviously, a lot of it's been like touched up and recolored as time has gone on, mm-hmm. but like growing up, having an original VHS copy of that movie—yeah, it was a great. Film. It was it was good back then. Granted, it was not one of my favorite V or Disney movies as a kid. Oh, I like Peter Pan. Uh, Peter Pan was good. My two favorites when I was a kid. Oh, were, like Treasure
0: Planet. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Atlanta.
1: See, now I was uh, Titan. Titan A is. Better Treasure Planet,
0: <laughs> but <laughs> Treasure Planet was just Treasure Island in space. It was perfect. So was Titan E. Pretty much. I, I haven't watched it, to be honest. Um,
1: but um, what I was my two favorites that I always like watched on repeat when I was a child was um The Jungle Book. Thank you, semi truck. That was helpful. Um, was The Jungle Book and Aladdin. Those were my two, my two picks uh, every time.
0: Aladdin was definitely up there for me. Uh, Jungle Book less so, but Aladdin was up there. I like Blue. Uh Yeah, Blue is great. I don't, I don't not like the Jungle Book. It just wasn't a top pick for me. Also, we can't sing
1: any Disney songs when we do this. There's mm-hmm. no. Are you sure? Dude? I am quite sure. <laughs> Imitating the mouse is not going to get us copy struck. No, I've seen singing, South Park. Singing a song. That'll get his coffee (laughs) strung.
0: I wanna be where the people are. (laughs) (laughs) No. That was totally off enough to not get anything. (laughs) That was was absolutely nothing. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) I'm just stopping it now. <laughs> All of this would pay off when the film was released in 1938 to high praise by the time uh by the same time next year it had made 6.5 million dollars Holy shit which made it the most successful sound film at the time
1: Holy shit yeah in
0: 1938 6.5 million dollars I did not do the inflation thing so that's if if you want to look that up you can yeah i'm I'm doing that now uh it led to another academy award as well. This time the Oscar statue was accompanied by seven miniature Oscars. Which is a hilarious touch. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> it was an Oscar with seven little Oscars. That's so, so that's, good. That's great. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, historians would call this the beginning of the golden age of animation. Um, although the next two films, Pinocchio and Fantasia, left the studio in debt. Did you did you get that number? I did not. Sorry. Uh. Ah, I thought that's what you were doing. Oh wait, no. I was sorry,
1: <laughs> I thought you were asking. Okay, hang on. <laughs> what were you doing? I am doing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Pinocchio and Fantasia were both made and released in 1940, but uh, many were a bit occupied with world events that they didn't really uh, do well at the box office.
1: So, $6.5 million in 1938 today is $136,581,134.75.
0: Jesus Christ. That's, so That's a lot of millions.
1: Yeah, he would have made $136 million in today's money.
0: Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, granted, the budget would have been a little bit more, but like... The budget would have been a little bit more, but at the same time... It would have been the same amount of profit. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. And it's like six times the profit, so... Mm-hmm. Although, is that a lot of money by today's box office standards? Um, for that box office budget, yes.
1: Yes, okay, that yeah, that's fair, that's fair.
0: Yeah. Um, assuming that was including marketing, mm-hmm. and marketing equivalent at the time. Marketing's a lot of budget now. <sighs> to combat the heavy losses, Walt and Roy <laughs> decided on a public stock offering to heavy salary cuts, um... Disney's heavy-handed attitude with his staff, as well as these pay cuts, led to the 1941 animator strike. Now, I'm going to... I want to point out a couple of things for this next little session here. Section. Session. Yeah, this is a session. This is a A (laughs) segment. Yeah. Uh, um, But it really brushed over the animator strike in, yeah, in yeah. Disney's thing. I,
1: uh, yeah, they they do that a
0: lot. And also most of uh, his wife's information I got from her personal page. They were just like, he got married. Moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, it didn't matter after that. Just yeah, ignore it. Yeah, so I, I went and made sure I got all that information. At least, you know, if nothing else, for hometown yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's fun. Um... Yeah, Willis Pyle, uh, who was an animator at the Willis time. Willis Pyle. Yeah, I was hoping you'd like that one. He uh, well, reminds me of Private Pyle. <laughs> what is your major malfunction? Gomer Pyle. <laughs> uh, anyway, Willis Pyle, who was an animator at the time, summed up a lot of the problem saying. There was no rhyme or reason to the way the guys were paid. You might be sitting next to a guy doing the same thing as you and might be getting $20 a week more or less than him. I like that he says more or less because he's probably talked to people and like, wait, why are you getting paid less than me right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beyond this, the head writers and animators were given better working spaces and access to extra facilities. And these (laughs) facilities were not like nice restrooms. These were a restaurant, a gym, and a steam room. Oh, wow like there's a disparity there a restaurant though they still had to pay for the food maybe yeah um the screen cartoonist guild you'll like that there's guilds involved
1: yes yes guilds
0: uh the screen cartoonist guild with the animators uh talked with the animators excuse me and together they approached disney with the idea of a union he declined but shortly thereafter gathered all 1200 employees uh to give this speech. I'm going to say this speech word for word. All right. In all the 20 years I've spent in this business, I've weathered many storms. It's been far from easy sailing. It required a great deal of work, struggle, determination, confidence, faith, and above all, unselfishness. Some people think that we have a class distinction in the place. They wonder why some people get better seats in the theater than others. They wonder why some men get spaces in the parking lot and others don't. I have always felt and I will always feel that men that contribute the most to the organization, out of respect alone, enjoy some privileges. My first recommendation to the lot of you is this Put your own house in order. You can't accomplish a damn thing by sitting around and waiting to be told everything. If you're not progressing as you should, instead of grumbling and growling, do something about it. <laughs> Now, I want to point out that this man, when he had a nervous breakdown, was able to just take a vacation to Cuba. Yeah, Um, yeah. So even when he was, like, bankrupt, he wasn't doing bad. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it should be noted as well, Disney had largely stepped away from the actual animation process. Mm-hmm. It's more being the face of Disney at the time. Yeah. And his name was still on all the animations. You know whose name wasn't on any of the animations? The animators? All of the animators. Yeah. Didn't get credits at the time. Yeah. They weren't even on those films. Mm-hmm. So, like, they they wanted credit, they wanted equal pay, and they wanted less disparity in pay, they wanted to unionize. Yeah. Then he gave that speech. Mm-hmm. And probably lost a fair amount of people. Um, Yeah. So shortly after that, um Art Babbitt who had been the screen cartoonist, guild union leader, uh and at Disney that worked at Disney. Um after Walt's speech, had more employees join him. Mm-hmm. And uh Walt felt personally betrayed by this and Art himself, so fired him and 16 other workers who joined the union. Wow. Yeah. The very day after they'd been fired, uh, the animator strike began. With more than 300 Disney employees joining the core guild group. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, lasting a total of five, uh, five... Lasting a total of five weeks. <laughs> it was eventually resolved with yeah. Walt signing a contract with the SCG, but he lost many animators in this event. So he had, like, something like 1,200 uh, animators, 1, twelve to 1,500, and then he was down to, like, six to eight hundred I think okay like he lost a significant amount of people to other companies that were like hey we treat people okay yeah Warner Brothers and uh, Metro MGM Mm mhm yeah like yeah um not anymore Warner Bros (laughs) the fuck yeah what the hell um after the financial troubles of World War II offset slightly by Disney animating military instructional films production slowed yeah and including with the strike Mm mhm uh, that that was not mentioned where I got that information from. I want to point that out. The strike is just left alone. <laughs> Rushes right past that. And that's <laughs> why I spent so much time on it. Because that was kind of a big deal and changed a lot of the way animators had yeah. credit and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he had a lot to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, he reportedly also uh, would threaten protesters with his car. <laughs> and uh, some of the mocking animations were put in, like, Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Like the jeering protesters in Dumbo or whatever, the clowns or whatever, Mm -hmm. yeah, were made to look like some of the animators. (laughs) So, um, there was also things like they, uh, guillotined a Walt mannequin kind (laughs) of thing. (laughs) It was a lot of back and forth with this, and they Uh, animated, they they were all animators, so they animated their picket signs. That's amazing. Yeah, it was all really, uh, that's just, so good. Yeah, it was, it was fun to read about, but also like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> uh, okay. This so, is, well, this
1: is coming out of the era where we got like you know the Dumbo crows and um, when did the red
0: man say how? Yeah. So yeah, and that stuff was just like okay then. Yeah. Everybody was yeah. like, yeah, it's a great picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take my children to see this. Yeah.
1: Like you said, Peter Pan was one of your favorite movies. Yeah, it was. Up. That has When Did the Red Men Say How in it, and that's quite possibly one of the most racist songs to ever be put in
0: a Disney film ever. It absolutely is, and I walked around doing that in my living room. I absolutely did, because I was like, that's a fun, fun dance. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I can't help but sing it most of the time when I talk about it. Yeah. And, like, sometimes that's at work, <laughs> and that's probably not the great... But then I'm like, no, no, it's a Disney song, and everyone's like, Oh, yeah, that is a Disney. (laughs) Am I allowed to be mad about that?
0: (laughs) Yes, you are.
1: You are, but most people won't be because we let our children watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Anywho. uh, After the production slowed and Warner Brothers and MGM getting in on the animation game, probably because of the influx of animators, um, convinced Roy that they should do more live-action combination films. Um, So we got Who Framed Roger Rabbit Whoa We are like 40 years ahead of that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This led to True Life Adventures A live action nature series Whose first episode Won an Academy Award Okay Yep In 1946 Walt was the co-founder Of the Motion Picture Alliance For the Preservation Of American Ideals Wow (laughs) An example of his Growing conservative ideals As he got older Yeah, he Mm -hmm. was pretty steadfast in the American way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And during what was known as the Second Red Scare, Disney testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee, HUAC. (laughs) HUAC! Claiming, among others... Sounds like a street fighter attack. (laughs) (laughs) HUAC! But he claimed, uh, among others, former animators and union leaders to be communists. Yeah! So just everybody's a communist that he doesn't like. Um, and it's alleged that uh, Disney passed the information to the FBI from 1940 until his death. J. Edgar Hoover allowed Disney to film in the FBI headquarters in exchange, as well as making Walton an official agent. Nice. So he was reporting on commies the whole time.
1: He's gonna see the big board!
0: <laughs> uh, That's a niche reference for you. 1950. Cinderella is produced for an estimated $2.2 million to critical acclaim bringing $8 million in sales in its first year. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. So that's a uh, nearly $6 million in profit. Uh, Walt wasn't particularly present for Cinderella's production, though, as he was working on Disney's first live-action feature, My Personal Favorite Treasure Island, <laughs> which was shot overseas. And that was the old black-and-white one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was based heavily on the book. It was... Basically the book, just shortened down to movie form as best they could. Yeah. It was one of my very favorites. I watched it when I was really young. I read Treasure Island a lot as a kid, too. I love Treasure Island. It's such a good book. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was working on that while Cinderella was being produced. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the 50s also brought us uh, the Alice in Wonderland that we all know today. Mm-hmm. That was from 51, and Peter Pan in 1953. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney had little involvement in these as well leaving the key parts of his job to the nine old men I mentioned earlier
1: (laughs) the wizard's council will watch over I must go make
0: movies (laughs) (laughs) well the nine old men allowed him to focus on his other interest movies (laughs) Disney went to work on his theme park theme parks yes (laughs) yes Uh, buying two plots of land the first being too small (laughs) So he bought some land in California In like the Anaheim area Yeah, Expensive plot of land Just wasn't big enough enough. Maybe we'll build a house here (laughs) Fuck it (laughs) And he formed uh, Wed Industries, now Disney Imagineering uh, To distance the project from Disney Studios He wanted it to sound different from Disney So he didn't scare his shareholders Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Putting too many eggs in one basket And all that jazz Yeah Um in 1954, he sent his Imagineers to every theme park in the country to see what worked, what the kids liked, what the adults liked, what no one liked, and what everyone liked. He wanted a well-rounded, fun experience for anyone who came to his park.
1: That's a very good, thoughtful way of going about the pro- process, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, he really... It's very well thought out.
0: He w- was really, really wanted it to be a fun experience for everyone, because theme parks were a thing... A thing... A thing at the time yeah and uh he wanted one that was for his productions that would be fun for everyone not just the kids who like the animations is
1: that why they don't have rides they have attractions
0: yeah part of it uh that's that's uh we might do a full disneyland episode because that's (laughs) there's a lot to go over in that um The park was originally four lands Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland All linked with a replica of Walt's hometown Marceline's Main Street Americana in the center of it all All right. The opening of the park in 1955 was broadcast by ABC And seen by a reported 70 million people Good God Though the opening of the park itself was a disaster The ABC's broadcast brought millions in over the years Yeah, I bet they didn't really have a plan for parking was a big deal. And um, they didn't have lines sorted out. There was a lot of... It was like really, really hot that day. There's a whole lot to go into on Disney's grand opening. <laughs> Just on the grand opening alone, we could do a whole hour. Probably. <laughs> it was a mess. Uh, uh, shortly before the opening, Disney and ABC released a series of uh, anthological TV spots called Walt Disney's Disneyland. Walt was pleased with the ratings, leading to the first regular T- Disney TV show, The Mickey Mouse Club. All right. Um, and Walt did take a starring role in Walt Disney's Disneyland. He was Walt Disney on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and that character kind of developed separate from Walt throughout his life.
1: All right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, A miniseries on the Mickey Mouse Club, Davy Crockett, led to Disneyland Records being formed due to the theme being so popular. They had to form a whole record company because one theme for one section of their show was so popular. (laughs) Um, That's probably why we have Disney music today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Disney had other projects as well. Consulting on the American National Exhibition in Moscow, acting as chairman of the pageantry committee for the 1960 Winter Olympics. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's all over the place Yeah. Uh, throughout this time while not as involved as he had been in the past he mil- still made time to oversee key aspects of the feature animations the studio is producing so he's not there but he's there to like have final say basically on mm-hmm. Lady and the Tramp 55, Sleeping Beauty 59, 101 Dalmatians in 61 and The Sword and the Stone in 63 I, re- I also like
1: 101 Dalmatians.
0: It's good. The Sword it's in the Stone is a classic. Is, it's That's a good one
1: as well. Yeah. Uh, that's an underrated Disney film. Not a lot of people talk about that. I like that one a lot. It's a good one. Um,
0: yeah. In 1964, after having tried to get the rights since the 1940s, Disney was finally able to produce his vision for P.L. Travers's Mary Poppins. Also a very good movie. It was a box office smash Everybody in the country thought it was a great movie Except for P.O. Travers Who hated it and always regretted selling the rights (laughs) She just did not like that She did not like the adaptation of her work She didn't get it She didn't get why everyone liked it She hated it always Damn
1: That's both sad and hilarious (sighs) Yeah I think there's something similar that happened for, uh, Willy Wonka. I think the, the adaptation, like,
0: the original Gene Wilder one. Yeah, like, who cares what Roald thinks? He was a racist anti-semite. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, I mean, Walt Disney wasn't a,
1: a very good guy either.
0: I'm gonna talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> Apparently, that's pretty disputed no matter who you talk to. <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, Disney provided four different attractions for the 1964 New York World's Fair. Its own fiasco. That whole thing went down because of uh, a guy lending money with that he didn't have and borrowing money that he couldn't repay. It was a whole big nut. Mm-hmm. That the World's Fair was nuts in 1964. Um, well, parts of the other three were retained and repurposed. It's a Small World was basically a prototype of what would be at Disneyland. So. It's a Small World was originally set up in New York, and they basically took a lot of those pieces and moved them to Disneyland. Okay. Yeah, for a World's Fair event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Disney announced plans for Disney World in 1965, which was to include Magic Kingdom, which was Disneyland but more, Mm -hmm. as well as golf courses and resorts, all to be focused around Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, or EPCOT. Okay. Now, um... I personally love the idea of Epcot. (laughs) I'm going to. And I'm pointing that out beforehand because I am going to read Walt Disney's own description of what Epcot was, his vision of what it was. Yeah. Um, It was an experimental prototype community of tomorrow that will take its cue from the new ideas and new technologies that are now emerging from the creative centers of American industry. It will be a community of tomorrow that will never be completed, but it will always be introducing and testing and demonstrating new materials and systems, and Epcot will always be a showcase to the world for ingenuity and imagination of American-free enterprise. So it's just every new piece of technology that comes out
1: gets adapted and assimilated into the greater whole.
0: Yeah, but and everybody in this community works together to do that. And just... Adapt, make better, keep work together. Keep moving forward. Yes. Um, but it was a community of tomorrow that will never be completed. hmm And it would never would be completed. Not even the way Walt wanted it. In November of 1966, Walt Disney was diagnosed with lung cancer. Having been a heavy smoker his whole life, specifically choosing unfiltered cigarettes and smoking a pipe in his younger years... It wasn't a particular surprise, at least in hindsight. On the 30th of the same month, he was unwell and transported to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, he smoked a pipe all through his younger years, and then as soon as he could afford cigarettes, basically, he bought the unfiltered ones. Yeah.
1: I, it's one of my favorite little tidbits about him is that they, when they did the whole anti-smoking thing and smoking's bad, they actually had some people go through and edit out the cigarettes out of all the pictures of Walt Disney, so yeah. his hand is always up in this weird position because he was holding a cigarette in all of his pictures. Yeah. But now it's nothing, so his hand's
0: just, like, in these weird
1: positions all the time <laughs> for no reason.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> If you want an example of why smoking is bad, use his life. Yeah. He died early before he could finish a lot of projects that he had started. Use that as an example. Don't take the cigarettes out of his hand. I don't understand. That's a really bad way to do it. Yeah, I guess. Also, if people are going to smoke, they're going to smoke. There's no stopping them. Yeah, it's a really dumb... Take it from a smoker. Yeah. It's a a dumb campaign. Yeah. People will stop when they want (laughs) to stop. If they want to stop. Uh... Ten days after his 65th birthday, on December 15th, 1966, Walter Elias Disney passed away due to the circulatory, circulatory collapse brought about by the cancer. Yep. Cremated two days later, turned at Forest Lawn Memorial Park. Forest was a hard word for me to read just now. Yeah, uh, that's strange, because that's not a difficult word, No. Nope, Kenan. nope. Um... After Walt's death, Roy deferred his retirement to head the Disney companies. One of his first acts was to desecrate the idea of Epcot turning it into a mere attraction. Oh, I want to point out that all of this report was my, my wording.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you make
0: it sound a lot worse. He just assimilated it. Like, Walt wanted... He did not want it like that. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to talk about a little bit about his more controversial things here. I've just got a couple paragraphs on it, cause because... Because there are controversial things. Right. So, Disney's been accused of being anti-Semitic due to his associations with people who were. Um, he reportedly gave a Nazi propagandist a tour of his animation workshop, mm-hmm. but, up, like, made a statement a couple months later, he was like, I didn't realize who that person was. <laughs> <laughs> Um, don't know if that's an excuse or not Yeah But he was on a board with other people Like the uh, one of the boards he was on mm-hmm. Had people who were openly anti-Semitic And he got put in Lumped in with them Yeah And could never shake that reputation Even after he left those boards Yeah um, But he did have various Jewish people On his <laughs> close-knit animation staff Working him for him for a long time And there's no reports of anybody close to him hearing anything anti-Semitic, like slurs or taunts or bad-mouthing. Well, that's good. So, like, there's no, like, first-hand accounts of that. Yeah. So, that's... that's. I mean, you can kind of... I mean, yeah. Take
1: it for what it is. Yeah.
0: Take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, similar cla- claims have been lobbed at him for general racism as well. Um, there's not really any evidence of that. He was ridiculously racially insensitive you can absolutely say that oh yeah yeah he, yeah, he was a yeah. white man who grew up in the early 1900s like there was yeah it's you can call that a
1: product of the times yeah first sure, because obviously like we talked discussed earlier you look at some of those early disney films and you're like some of the things that are said and sing about in these movies are just not okay anymore.
0: right right uh but,
1: but the same thing can be said about old school Looney Tunes back in the day and Absolutely like all all of the cartoons back then, like it was it was all done like that. So yeah. singling Disney out for things like that it's, is slightly unfair. Yeah. Especially because especially like we were talking about later on, he um wasn't a huge part of like he wasn't necessarily he gave the final say on things like Peter Pan and things like that Yeah. but he wasn't around he, those weren't his ideas he wasn't animating it in and
0: being like this needs
1: to be in there right you know, like, right
0: he was just he was overseeing those projects those mm-hmm. were just yeah
1: and growing up when the time he did when he saw that song he was like yeah I don't see anything wrong with that yeah that's a fun one yeah <laughs> and that's a bot. yeah kids are gonna love that <laughs> you hear that tune boys good job on that tune right the mouse is going to make lots of money off of this.
0: Yeah. How? <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's no record of him ever disparaging a black person or mm-hmm. black people, employed or otherwise. Because he did also have black people in animation with him at the time, which was not really regular either. So, mm-hmm. you know. There's just not really any evidence of this it's kind of people who want to just be mad.
1: I just... Uh. When you did that, I got this weird image of him standing, like, watching the the preview for that song for the first time or whatever. Big old cigar or a cigarette in his hand. He takes a long drag and he just kind of chuckles to himself. How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kids are going to love that. <laughs> <Just like>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, like, right on point for us, because I have one final paragraph. And I'm just going to read it out. Okay, mm-hmm. hit me with it. So Walt Disney was a lot of things. He was a union busting, chain smoking, misogynist leaning workaholic with an impossibly high expectations and standards. Yep. He was also incredibly driven, always looking forward and to how he could help future generations while providing timeless entertainment for the current generations. The work him, his studio, his partners, and his theme parks did laid the groundwork for much of entertainment today, while leaving his name in the minds of nearly every child with access to cinema and a portal back to that child for every person who grew up with Disney's name opening up their favorite film. Walter Elias Disney made his mark on this world, fusing his name with animation, entertainment, fascination, wonder, and dreams. Damn right. Bravo. Thank you. Bravo. Uh, that's my report on Walt Disney, it it was actually reasonably timed, I'm gonna Um, have to make these longer, I guess.
1: I actually have a couple of things that I wanted to talk about, and I was waiting to see if it would come up at all. All Alright, yeah, absolutely. But, I think it's also interesting, and I find it interesting that it didn't seem to be mentioned a whole lot within that, um... Probably, I guess, because we only covered Walt Disney and his life and not necessarily the company itself. Yeah, yeah, that was... I I actually
0: plan on doing a separate report about the Disney company.
1: So we'll probably delve into this topic a bit more at that point then, but even during his life, you have to think that, while the laws were different than they are now, Mm -hmm. um, Disney himself and, by extension, his company, had to have been a very large proponent for um, things like... um, Child labor, I guess, is the best way to put it, because child actors are a thing that is always a necessity when you're doing these kinds of things. Right. Maybe not necessarily the animated films, but especially once you start moving into like the cable network and Disney Kids and things like that, and all the the day to day shows that come on with these kids in them. Hannah Montana, your Drake and Josh, your Yeah, uh, Sweet oh, Life of Zack and Cody. All that. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, all of these different things um, require these these young actors. Amanda,
0: Amanda, 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 Amanda show. Yes,
1: yes. The Amanda show as well. Man, I forgot about that.
0: That's Um, because Amanda Bynes had horrible experiences and has gone away. I think she also might have a conservatorship. Yeah, it's all bad. Yeah
1: but but my <laughs> my point especially for things like a great example is the the Mickey Mouse Club right um where you needed to have these child actors when acting is one of the very very few jobs where a child labor is allowed right and so you i i presumably would have to think that Disney and himself as well as his company um, had to have had a lot to do with making sure that that wasn't a thing that was able to happen.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, because, yeah, that, uh, the girl that played Alice in the original short was 12 or 13 at the mm-hmm. time, so, yeah, that would have been one early example, and, I mean, I know that things were a lot looser for a while, because what was her name for uh, The Wizard of Oz? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she got fucked over by everybody who produced that movie mhm yeah. but at the same time
1: there were still some sort of laws in place I assume about that kind
0: of thing yeah I would assume but I yeah I, that didn't come up at all for Disney's life
1: yeah yeah which I found interesting because he had to have been like a, a one of the pioneers of that kind of I need children to work <laughs> to work to work for for these productions, because these productions, like, they're live action. I can't have, you know, 30-year-old people playing a 10-year-old child. I need a 10-year-old child to come be a 10-year-old child. Right. I
0: think more along the lines of Disney would have been fighting against the laws that came in to control their labor. hmm I think that's probably more along the lines of what that would have been, because he would have been like, whatever, this 12-year-old worked 12 hours a day for me. Yeah. What, what's your problem? You want them only to work, what, four six hours? That's ridiculous. <laughs> you just give them a peanut butter sandwich and send
1: them back out there. They're fine. Yeah. Yeah. You guys got cocaine yet? <laughs> just pump them with that. You ever tried a cigarette boy? <laughs> you won't be hungry for about three hours. Here's some coffee. Black. Nope. <laughs> Please, so may I have some sugar? No sugar, damn it. <laughs> Don't need you being all hyper and jittery in front of the camera. I already gave you caffeine. But your Mary Poppins movie. It was a lie. (laughs) Everything we do is a lie. It's for money. It's for money. (laughs) It's all going to make my pockets jingly.
0: (laughs) Honestly, uh, Disney is a huge inspiration for me. um, As far as... Just just living a life and going and doing exactly what you want and making it work. Yeah. It's hard not to admire his uh determination. Mhm. Yeah. The fact that he started so young and never stopped doing what he wanted to do. Yeah. It really it, it's cool to read about, it's cool to realize that his name is so big and he grew up just a country kid who wanted to draw. Mm-hmm. Like his name is huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the name of entertainment. So the other thing, did did he really get himself all frozen? Uh, there was nothing about that. I don't, no, he got cremated. He was cremated two was days cremated. after he died. Okay, because that was the huge. That was such a thing when we were kids. Yeah, that the, he was frozen he was, and in the park.
1: Yeah, he was frozen and he was somewhere underneath Disneyland or Disney World and. They had... After they had frozen him, they had separated his head from his body for some reason. was always part of the the story that I was told.
0: Yeah, and they were going to revive his brain. They
1: were going to revive him when the technology became good enough to do so. Yeah, and that that would... I mean, if they froze him, separated the head, burned the body so he got cremated, but the head is frozen and waiting to be maybe, revived. Maybe down... that's
0: where the rumor came from, because he definitely would have been reported as cremated. Yeah. People would have probably seen his urn. Mm-hmm. So they cremated the body, but maybe the head is still frozen
1: down underneath Disneyland and we're just waiting for the day they can wake him up and turn him into an AI. Ugh. Like Cave Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yes. the guy that's going to burn down your house. With lemons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good game. Um, yeah, but that's that's my report on Disney. I, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we're gonna do more of these. They're just gonna. They they rotate. took it took a lot of work for Keenan to to get this done. Honestly, so yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do more though. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It was very in depth, do. and I really enjoyed it. Hell yeah. Well, that's True Neutral Bonus. True Neutral
1: Bonus episode. Um, Bye-bye. Peace out.